The funny thing about having a plan is that a plan works best when you plan on deviating from the plan. This is my conversation with Nikki Green. What if the truth came in a gel cap and we could just pop it in our mouths and forget about it? Well, it doesn't. And we can't. But we can laugh in the face of reality while plotting our survival. Welcome to the Truth Tastes Funny podcast. I am your host, Hirsch Repun. And if my guests can handle the truth, so can you. Open wide, folks. Here it comes. Okay, we are here with Nikki Green on Truth Tastes Funny. Nikki is a life and business resilience specialist, and you are also the host of Stand Up and Stand Out, That's a podcast. So welcome to Truth Tastes Funny. Thank you. We're going to talk about a lot of things. I definitely want to talk to you about travel. I also want to talk to you about what inspires you to help young people to be resilient in their life and their business. You can take whichever one of those you want to take first. Yeah, well, I grew up with six parents, so that was kind of the first start to my life of change. And because they lived in different places, I was constantly moving. So I moved nine times in 12 years of leading up to finishing high school. <laughs> yeah. So that was my travel journey, too. We can mix one and two. Well, how, what, were the, what was the circumstance of that? Single mom, absent dad in the beginning. And then she found new love. And then my brother arrived. And then he found new love and left. <laughs> and then she found love. And then my father came back. And he had a new wife and new kids. So there's a lot. So there's a lot of love. Is how you love. could look at it that way. A lot of love. There's just a lot of love. It's just some people don't know when to. It was when, the 70s. When, when, when love is is not love. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Okay. So then you had moved around a lot. Where were you based? I was originally born in Reno, Nevada, and okay. so I was battle born. And then we moved to Northern California and moved around quite a few times there, depending on what was going on with our parents and jobs and things like that. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. And so when it was time to figure out what you wanted to do professionally, where was your head at or so, school wiser? Yeah, I really, I loved school. And then when I was young, I, we ended up in some pretty rough neighborhoods and I ended up getting bullied. And it was really a turning point in my life. And all of a sudden I stopped liking school and I was kind of just doing the bare minimum. Like, no, 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 we got to do this. We got to do this. So I went to school in the East Bay in California. And from there, I went to Silicon Valley and I had an amazing career at many of the top companies there. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> no, that's great. And do you like California? You know, California has a lot of great things. Everyone says the weather, but I don't think that's it. For me, I really got into endurance sports. So it was great for me to be able to ride, run, you know, hit the trails, go hiking, just really be outdoors. It gave me a good balance from the time where I was on planes, trains, automobiles, and conference rooms in yeah. my corporate job. So. so do you traveled a lot for work? For both. Yeah. So I started traveling for work, which was fantastic. And I just really loved it. And so then I started inserting excursions on the side to do for personal and yeah. to try to learn and see more of the world. And so what was the, what was the, what's the first travel memory that you have that was really extraordinary? The first trip I took by myself really was I went to Paris for a summer to go to school. And so I'd been studying French through high school, college, and there was an opportunity to do a bit of an exchange program. And so spending five weeks there really exploring the city, going to excursions all around France. It just, it changed my life and it changed my perspective of what it means to learn a language, to understand a culture, 
and and also how to lead. Even though I was only 18 at the time, I was actually leading most of the people around. Yeah. I was like, I want to go here, I want to go here. And I just took people with me and it was fantastic. Who was with you on the on the There was trip? a lot of other exchange students, but people of different ages because it was through a community college, then you didn't necessarily have to be like a full-time student mm-hmm. to participate, which was really fun and, and people I'm still friends with to this day. So that's great. I, I it's one of my dreams to be a, a young woman traveling in Paris, but <laughs> But I don't, there's just too many complications at this age, at this, at this point, it's just too much, too much to take on. You can live vicariously through my book and read. Yes. Okay. And you, so you've written a book? Yeah. So I have a couple of books. My first book, I Laugh in the Face of Danger, which talks about many of these stories growing up and adapting to change and having all these parents and how did that affect my, not just my life, but my career. Why did it change my perspective on leadership and what I wanted right. to be when I grew up? Sure. My new book, Chameleon Mindset, is about adapting to change in times of chaos. Oh, those are both <laughs> great. Well, I definitely like I Laugh in the Face of Danger. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That just is a great title. How does it start? How does the book start? It starts with this wonderful love story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all my parents and how they came together. But really, it's about my pandemic pivot. And like many people of realizing, hey, maybe this corporate thing isn't what I want to do anymore. And I'm missing my opportunity to really help people and have some fun doing it. Yeah. So, so I, and you know what, this is a great topic, the pivot. That's why we're even sitting here. Like I just wanted, I actually felt so disconnected from people that I wanted to meet more people. And when the opportunity came up to start a, a podcast, I was like, oh, okay, I'll meet a lot of people, even if it's virtual most of the time. I'll meet a lot of people and it'll be it'll be really great. And there'll be people that I don't already know. I had a podcast several years ago. And, you know, like a lot of people, amateur podcasters, I would just have people on that I knew that I thought would be fun to talk to. But right. you, that doesn't really make you be chill. Yeah, it doesn't. It's just like, you know, oh, you remember that time we did that? Oh, yeah, that was fun. Oh, you know, you did that thing. Oh, yeah, I remember that. What happened to that guy? Oh, I don't know. I haven't heard from him in six years. He's like, that's not really what what people want to listen to here. The, with Truth Tastes Funny, there's a chance to say, OK, what are some tips having been all around the world? What are some tips for surviving in today's chaotic world, no matter where you are? You know, you could be in, in Brazil or you could be here. It, it, there's there's stuff going on everywhere. It's not just, you know, one country. What have you have you thought about, by the way, living living in other countries or? Absolutely. I, I thought for sure, you know, I would have been living abroad and doing all those, you know, exciting adventures every day. And then I decided to get married at 23 years (laughs) and my (laughs) ex-husband didn't have the same perspective. Yeah. And so it's those pivots in life that continue to happen. Right. And you're like, well, is that still what I want to do? And I said, well, how about have the best of both worlds, be able to spend time in other countries, but immerse yourself when you're there like you would, you know. And so it's been fantastic because I now have friends all over the world. So when I go there, I go get the local experience. I don't go do the same five touristy things I've done a hundred times. I go do something new or we go on excursion together to someplace maybe we both haven't been. And, right. You know, go explore. That's <laughs> great. That's great. I mean, you know, I, it takes a little bit for me to push myself out of the comfort zone when I when I travel. I love traveling, but I also like the, you know, being coddled a little bit and staying in a hotel and being taken care of and all all that stuff. A friend of mine. That we that I've been gone camping with said said once you know uh, yeah you're fine anywhere where there's a four seasons like anywhere where we go camping if there's a four seasons in the campground you'll be fine and we like things that make us feel comfortable so it makes sense that if we're traveling we don't want to be completely out on a limb do you plan a lot 
I do both. Um, so like for this trip, I did not plan very well because I was going to a different city for a different purpose. Right. And so I had one bag packed. And so the night before I had to repack everything and have everything ready for a totally different thing to be yeah. able to do podcasting and work. Well, and so, but that's not good. You, you're, you can't compare probably going to a foreign country to going to Salt Lake City. And in terms of the prep you have to do. This is true. And this is one thing I always tell myself when I go on trips is if I forgot it, it, can I get it? (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes those things you can't. So, you know, like a pharmacy is quite different in some international countries. So if you need medications, even something as simple as a headache, you may not be able to get it. But if you need socks, you're probably all right. So, you know, remembering those things that are the most important for each venture, then that's really where you can see the difference. I I was telling you before that some of the travel that I've done has been off season because it's been for work. So we went to Thailand in November, I think it was, which is kind of the rainy season there. And we after the after the conference that we went for, we took a few days and went to Koh Samui and Koh Phangan. And it was like typhoon weather and we're walking around we 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 stashed our stuff at a hotel but it was like a very expensive hotel and we probably weren't going to end up staying there but we at least put the stuff there and we're walking around and i'm like i was wearing birkenstocks and i'm in this typhoon and i'm like i i gotta put something else on and i found a a place and i i I bought these uh, crocs for like two dollars or something and it was so funny because because my other friend had to buy stuff it was like it was not what you would what you would think that that area would would be like, but it was fun. But we walked probably five miles in this in this storm. And then, you know, you get back to the hotel that we actually finally got, which was these stone buildings. And you could just hear the storm oh. outside. You thought there'd be nothing left in the morning, right. like everything would have blown away. <laughs> yeah. But that, those are memories. Those are memories that come from, you know, unexpected side adventures that are, you know, that aren't, you know, staying at a fancy hotel or aren't stay, aren't planning exactly. everything. Well, and everything leads to the next adventure. That's kind of the important thing, too, is like sometimes you have a misstep and then you never know when it's going to prepare you for another one down the road. Well, this brings us to what you do. Why resilience per se? In other words, you could be you could be coaching people on success. You could be coaching. Why? Why resilience per se? Yeah, I really like to start helping people with the very first step. Some people are really great at, hey, let's do big picture. Let's get the big plan together. And yeah, we can do that too. And ultimately, there has to be a destination. But I like the journey. I want to help people make those very beginning steps to get in the right direction. Those things that fear are holding them back from doing, the things they're probably the most passionate about doing. And so it's really a favorite thing for me. I had so many great people in my corporate career where I ran into them and they had these big dreams. They just did what their parents told them just Uh didn't really follow their own path. Did you find yourself doing a lot of like mindset stuff? You know, what's your approach to that? There's so many different ways to change your mindset. What do you favor? Like, what do you find works? Yeah, I really like to figure out what exactly is holding people back and, and where it lies. A lot of times people come to me and they're telling me something about business. There's actually something personal in life, like underneath the surface. And so it's getting to that first thing. So that way you can figure out how to really, really help them on their journey. Yeah. I did some quantum consciousness uh, acceleration, which I found really wonderful. I'll give Janet a plug to Janet Elaine Schmidt. And I just found that it was the enlightening and mind opening. And that was like the main thing. 
Like it wasn't so much you have to start thinking about this this way. It's you have to stop limiting the way you're thinking about stuff so that you're not you're not locked into right. a certain perception. Yeah. A lot of this show, I think, is about some of that, Nikki. It's like, you know, how do I have a better attitude about mm -hmm. stuff? Yeah. What do you think is holding people back? Like we know fear. We talk about fear all the time. But what it what is it? What is it that creates that in human beings? I mean, fear itself is meant to protect us. So at the beginning, it is important. But we're evolving to a very different level of humanity now. Most of what we do is knowledge economy. It's this. It's sharing information. And part of sharing information is starting to get a little bit more vulnerable and really sharing a true part of ourselves. Before, we were doing very tactical things, like I build a building, I build a computer program, right? And that's how we start, and that's what the school point is. But now you really have to start using a different cognitive space than we've ever used before. And so I'm excited to see as we continue to collaborate where those leaps and bounds take us. But it means we're in uncharted territory. So yeah. there's going to be a lot of that initial setback of, well, I can't do this or it's not possible when it probably is. So that's a tough one to to manage. Yes. You know, and I with with clients and stuff, you, you know, we hear no a lot from people that there's somebody Either there's someone in the organization that that is always a holdout or they're afraid or they're getting advice from too many different people. And, you know, and then what do we what do we do at that point? Like, what do we say? You can't force people to do stuff. So do you get frustrated a lot? Do you ever say, I, I can't work with you if you're not going to? Well, know. it has to be a two way street. I'm not here to coach myself. Right. You right. Know, I'm, I've done my journey and I'm continuing mine. This is your journey. So if you're not willing to make the changes and take the steps, then maybe this is not for you. If you want to go right. do something more tactical, then go do that. Absolutely. Find the right person that's going to give you the right motivation. Don't just, hey, you know, Nikki was popular and she was on the show. So, you know, let's go make sure we hang out. Right. It's important on both sides. And whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're trying to find your career, it doesn't matter. Those things have to start coming more of a congruent thing than you guys trying to fight each other and try to make it work when it should. Yeah. Well, you're, work, you're focusing on young people, right? So what age is that specifically? Yeah, so usually leaving university, so about 25 or so, and then going into the workforce, but also a lot of first-time managers. So as they kind of transition through their career or they start getting into work and they're like, I don't want to do this. I want to go be an entrepreneur and really start to follow their passion. So those big milestones when you're ma managing those adulting phases that's really my favorite part to, to work with people. Yeah. What are people in the in the 25-year-old range like right now? What where Where is their head at? Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting because we're in about a pivot between millennials and Gen Z. Right. And Gen Z starting to come out. And they have a very different perspective. They were raised by different parents. A lot of millennials were raised more by boomers or top end of Gen X, whereas Gen Z are raised mostly by Gen X. <laughs> so yeah. they have more of an independent spirit. They have more of a self-assurance. They've been allowed to do things more themselves, less helicopter parenting, but they still have a very set path. So they're still trying to set a high bar. They're not always quite sure how to take the steps. Right, <laughs> right. It's interesting. I mean, I do, I do find that we, that younger people are thoughtful in ways that I don't know that that I was at at their age. I feel like it's funny because anytime I feel like judging any of my kids at whether it's the age of the, you know, they they run from eight to 30 at, the, at this juncture. And it's like, it doesn't matter whether the little ones or the big ones. It's like, if I think of myself at that age, it wasn't like I was not 
and he, I mean, I just did, wasn't a, a brilliant thinker, you know, a, I mean, you know, I was a good kid, but I think by and large, I was immature. So my maturity level in my fifties is not what it was when I was their age. So to look at them and go, well, you really need to sharpen your work ethic. Correct. I don't know how you could sleep so late. You need to get up and do it. What, what was I doing? Right. <laughs> Probably playing with Star Trek dolls, you know, at an age when I shouldn't have been already. I think that, you know, it would be one thing to play with them at eight or, or 10. They're still cool. I still like it. <laughs> I thought they were, you know, I thought they were, but I think some friends would see that as like, are you over that? Are you over that by now? Yes. But, but that's okay because again, we shouldn't judge ourselves. If we, if we're going to judge ourselves too harshly, then we're going to, you know, judge others because we're going to resent the way we're treating ourselves and then we're going to treat, that's what I think we'll end up treating other people. Well, and that's what happens with so many people is what they're saying to you is really what they're saying in the mirror. Right. And there's so much of their own, you know, worries and doubts that are happening. And a lot of times as parents, that's how we're, we're talking to the kids. And it's really great to see the emotional intelligence in a lot of the youth yeah. today that they're really starting to transform. They're just still need to work on the emotional reaction to things yeah. of like, okay, you can't be completely sensitive to everything. You have to learn how to still control your emotions, just like you control what you say and what you do and how you act. So. But the projection is a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's something we, you know, we're, as adults, we're familiar with it, but I am seeing it in a lot of kids, this kind of, you know, mean spirited. I think when my older kids were younger, I was less aesthetic toward kids that mistreated my kids or something like that. Yeah. I, again, maturity. Like, you know, I became a father at 23. So I think, I think probably, you know, I was just, I just didn't have any tolerance for that. Yeah. Whereas now I'm kind of like, well, look, that kid is probably going through some, some really hard stuff. And that kid is, that kid who's at eight or nine is a bully is not really going to be a bully. Hopefully when they're, when they're 20 or 30, they're going to have to come to some you know, change some, right. some awareness. Maybe you can be part of their getting to that change. But of course, if they need an ass kicking, then there's a, you know, there's, there's a, both sides. Yeah. There's a time and a place. I don't know. I don't, I don't advocate, I don't advocate kicking anybody's ass. I know I'm imposing. And so sometimes people see me walking down the street, they get very scared. They think I'm going to, you know, be a, a kind of a, a tough bully because that's what I look like. But no, I'm, I'm peaceful. I, I try to, I always use humor to yeah. try to, to try to diffuse, any situation. diffuse the situation. It always works. Well, and that's something that I've learned over time too, is really like how to help. And part of why I left my corporate job was because of bullying there too, because people didn't learn to keep it in the playground. They didn't learn those right. lessons. And so they got into work and that's their only way of actually reacting to people. If they don't like the situation, they're just going to have power over you and push you down. Well, okay. That's not really a great way for us to run business. And I really want to see the next generation get that emotional maturity so that they can actually help each other and find a better way to talk to each other and to solve problems in the world. And sometimes you find that emotional uh, immaturity in the corporate sphere because that's a very competitive area. So that may be natural. On the one hand, you'd think, oh, well, they're in the corporate thing and there's going to be safeguards and there's going to be rules and there's, they're going to have to stay in line. On the other hand, they're in there because they're they might be competitive and 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 they might be wanting to break the rules yeah. and uh, you know rebel against authority even within a corporate structure exactly 
Well, it'll be interesting to see how things turn out. But I always say, you know, I played sports all my life. And at the end of the day, I was part of a team. And so if I tried to just do my thing and I didn't follow the play and I didn't try to work with others, I wasn't going to be the MVP either. You know, you're never going to be one way or the other. And so it's thinking of these things in a new way that I really want to keep challenging people and see if they can find a way to do things a little bit differently. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into Truth Tastes Funny. If you enjoyed the experience, please leave a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends.